Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, we're back, and I want to go over some of the things we talked about in this first hour. We talked a lot of fishing, and I want to. Um, we're going to talk some more. By the way, we've got parks coming up. We're going to talk about an app called um, the Naturalist app, I believe we're going to talk about, and the iNaturalist app and some projects that are going on. We're going to talk about animal encounters and what's going on with them. Uh, you know, there's just a, a lot going on, a lot of people getting outdoors right now, and I'm excited about that. I want people outdoors. The, the local municipalities, counties, the state, Parks and Wildlife want people outdoors, but they want us to do it responsibly. So when we give you um, a tip that this lake is fishing well or this presentation is working, make sure that you follow whatever guidelines you're living under at the time because we can't keep up with everyone. They change daily. We try to, but um, but be uh, be cautious and you know and be respectful of other people. More boat ramps are opening up. You heard that uh, sometime during the next week, both spinning. And 11 Mile will be opening up, I believe, one on the 29th, one on the 30th of the month, uh, or it could be the 28th and 29th, but they're going to be opening up. And a lot of people will be going out there. And as we get more things to open up, it's going to take pressure off. One thing I have noticed is we're getting a lot of people out, and a lot of people in similar areas. Hopefully, they're staying close to home. But but be, be considerate of other people, and if a place is really crowded, move on somewhere else. If we overuse facilities, whether they're boat ramps, whether they're shorelines, whether they're hiking trails, um, there's a possibility they could get closed. So let's follow the guidelines. But there's lots to do, and there's going to be lots more with this warm week coming up. I'm hearing that some camping is going to open up. I'm not going to try to list what I know right now, but check your local campgrounds, find out what their status is. I think they're going to start letting that come back. Uh, hiking is obviously going good. One thing about hiking right now, uh, rattlesnakes. This is prime rattlesnake season when they are really, really active. So be very careful. In fact, I, I believe Parks and Wildlife has a place on their webpage in their animal animal interaction about rattlesnakes. So, you know, be very careful. This is not a great time to have your dogs running loose in the grass because they will nose up to a snake, and dogs very often die from rattlesnake bites even when people don't because of the body weight difference. Stay on the trails. Be a little careful. Um, spring is one of the most active times because they're coming out of hibernation. They're, there's a lot going on with the snakes, and uh, they'll show up in places. They get out in the sun, and if you surprise them, they'll bite. They're usually not aggressive. If you see one soon enough, just back off or stay still. They'll usually move away. They're afraid of you. But be careful. Move. Uh, just be very conscious of rattlesnakes right now. We're going to talk more about animal interaction, too, later on in the show. Then a lot of mountain lion sightings. We're going to touch on that a little bit. I've got some theories that we'll cover on that. Uh, I said more boat ramps are opening. By the way, the fishing report on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, our Facebook page, we um, post the fishing report every week, and that uh, comes out. Uh, on Friday afternoons. And if you'll notice, we've only been posting it every other week. Because of COVID, gathering the information has been tougher. So they haven't been putting it out weekly yet. Hopefully that will change, but it's only been coming out every other week. But on that fishing report, 
they'll, they'll talk. It talks about what's going on in different areas, broken down by region, so you can go somewhere close to home. And it also it also gives you the stocking report. So if you just want to go out and catch some fish, something that's been recently stocked with rainbow trout is usually a great opportunity. And the fish are usually willing biters, and they want you to go out and fish for those and harvest them. Now, in in addition to that. We try to get people, obviously, on this show to give you the most updated information we can. In the last couple weeks, we had Ben Swiggle from the Loveland, Longmont area and Paul Winkle from the Denver metro area come on and talk about fishing opportunities close to home on the Front Range. They also gave a number of resources you can go to to get information throughout the state. Uh, there's fish surveys that are done in these lakes and ponds that tell you what's in them. They they net them every so often, what size they've seen, how plentiful they are, and all that information. Uh, those podcasts are both linked on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. If you go to the page and just scroll down uh, through some of the posts, you will see that they're, they're both on there, and you can listen to those and get a lot of great information. Uh, this coming week, a lot of you are off work. You want to go out somewhere close, maybe by yourself, maybe with a spouse or a family and wet a line and catch a few panfish, catch a few trout, just from shore, just to get away, relax, be by the water. A lot of information in those two podcasts on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. So you could follow that. It'll give you a lot of great, great opportunities and a lot of great information on on what, what you can do out there. And then I want to talk some more about some of the presentations that um, Austin and I were talking about. You know, we get into and we talk about the slow death rig and the net rig. And uh, you can go on the Internet and find tons of these presentations out there. By the way, a lot of these presentations I feature on my videos on the Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom is our YouTube channel. And Karen and myself and our partner, Greg Claudio, did 22 seasons on television. We did mountain states fishing and angling adventures. Now, angling adventures was more of a travel show, but a lot of it was filmed close by. But mountain states fishing was almost solely filmed right in this area, uh, within a day's drive of Denver, usually, or in, in Denver, or up and down the Front Range. And so over half the shows on the YouTube channel, which is the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom, are filmed in this area. And even though they weren't filmed real recently, the information is very key. We keep places up there that are still very fishable in the way we did them, and we give you location and tips um, on how to go and approach those places. So you may want to check that out. I'm also reposting a lot of the Denver Post uh, columns I've written over the years that are pertinent to these times and what we're going to as far as outdoor activity and try to give you a lot of tips. So those will be on our Facebook page. The whole goal of this show is to try to bring you as much information that you can have a great time in the outdoors, uh, no matter what you do, whether you fish, boat, hunt, camp, hike, uh, like using our state parks for all their various activities. We try to cover, and we try to cover what's pertinent at the time. Springtime, fish are waking up. It's one of the greatest activities out there and, and most uh, plentiful opportunities. So we cover a lot of that this time of the year, but we'll cover hunting, we'll cover, uh, we cover rock climbing, we cover places you can go mountain bike. So if you're a first-time listener to the show, we're almost always on from 9 to 11. We were on from 8 until um, 8 to 10 today because of the NFL draft. 
And I have my opinions about that too, but we'll get into that a little later on. Maybe I'll, when the other guys are about ready to come on, but there's a lot going on and out there, but make sure you, you know, I know people are, you're locked up, you're having difficulty. It's not an easy time. Um, trust me, my wife has had to get used to me being around the house a lot more than usual. And, uh, we've, you can stress, stress sometimes the amount of time you spend together. And, and I have a great partner, but even still, get outside, go for a walk, um, go for a hike. But remember that things are changing in the outdoors with the focus on the COVID-19, uh, what's going on there. I think we lose sight a little bit of some of the other things that are going on. Like I mentioned rattlesnakes earlier. Everybody's thinking COVID-19. I want to get out and go for a hike. They're not thinking, well, spring is when the rattlesnakes come out in Colorado, right? Um, I, I want to do a program coming up on outdoor survival and comfort again very soon because we forget the basics of we want to go out that hike. This trail is open. I want to get up, up there. I'm just going for a day hike. We don't prepare right. You get lost or hurt, and there's a tragedy. We cover that a couple times a year. I'm putting together a show on that. So we'll cover that. So remember all the basics of the outdoors as you're going out, that it's not just um, the COVID-19 thing that's affecting us. We still have to be cognizant of all the other things. But we're going to talk coming up in this next hour. We're going to talk to Parks and Wildlife for a couple of segments. And then Chad Lachance is going to join us. And we are going to talk about uh, Front Range Reservoir Trout. We've talked a lot about the walleyes, the bass, the ponds. Now we're going to talk about the trout, the size, the way you catch them, how plentiful they are, and what an incredible opportunity. And that's how we'll finish up the show after a couple of segments from Colorado Parks and Wildlife. In fact, why don't we take a time out? We'll get to the Parks and Wildlife segments and then uh, so much more on Terry Wisham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Another great Eagles song. You know, Kyle, I might still get to go to that concert in September. We'll see. Yeah, that'll be cool if you do. Yeah, I love. Well, you know how much I hate the Eagles, but uh, so I've been much. taking. I've been entertaining Karen by starting to play more Eagles songs on my guitar while I'm home. She's totally thrilled. Yeah, I'm sure she loves that. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. Joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Sarah Burton. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. How are you? It wasn't a beautiful day out. Yes, it is. I'm doing well. It's it's a gorgeous day to be outside. Oh, it is. And we're going to have some great weather coming up. And you've got uh, a project coming up, I believe, that's – I think it's uh, it's coming up in the next week or two uh, that you're going to have this going on. Now, it's different this year. We This is a project that we've talked about the last couple of years. It's a yearly event. It used to be a competition, and it involves an app called iNaturalist. But let's talk about the event itself. It's had to change a little bit this year because of um, COVID-19. Tell us what it was and what we're looking to do this year. Sure. Um, So the event is called the City Nature Challenge. The Denver-Boulder metro area is participating, as well as two other metro areas, Colorado Springs and the Fort Collins area as well. Um, And... Typically, it is an international competition between cities all over the world, and it's 
you know, aimed to get people outside and looking for plants and animals and all types of things. So uh, this year, however, with COVID-19 occurring, we are making it less of a competition and just an initiative to get people outside in a safe way. Um, Typically, we would have group events. However, this year, we aren't doing that anymore um, with the social distancing in place there. And so, yeah, there's an app called iNaturalist that you use, and it's a phone application as well as a computer application. And you can take photos directly from your phone, and the application will help you identify what you're looking at if you're not sure. Now, are they going to post? I, I understand we've got some dates we'll go over here in a minute. And I know it's it's officially not a competition this year; it's just a project. But are they going to post mm-hmm. the numbers? You said so. So even here on the front range mm-hmm. between Fort Collins, Denver, and Colorado Springs, we could go for a little bragging rights, even though it's not officially mm-hmm. competition, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so the competition actually started yesterday, and the observation period goes until Monday at midnight. So, you know, everybody should be getting outside this weekend. If you have your phone with you, take pictures of whatever you see. Um and then there will be a six-day period until May 3rd where um, professionals, anybody who knows about plants and animals, can go on iNaturalist and identify what species they're looking at. And so um, after that period where we you know, race to identify all of the observations, then the um, overall organization for City Nature Challenge will tally everything up and post it. So the evening of May 4th, we should have the totals. And those will be posted on our website, uh, wild.org backslash nature challenge. Now, that same website, they can find out more about what's going on. I want to talk in more in depth about the app and how it works and how to use it. But give that website again. Sure. Yeah, so the website that has all of our information is wild.org backslash nature challenge. And that's all one word. And on there, it gives you updates about what's happening uh there's different resources for how you can get outside in a safe way we're encouraging people to stick in their neighborhoods look in their backyards and their local parks that they can walk to um so there's lots of good resources on there to check out now originally this project started um not only is a fun competition but a way to help biologists document the different uh plants and animals that were present either occasionally or on a more uh, prolific basis than maybe they thought in areas around mm-hmm. the world. And so it was made to identify this. So there's nothing wrong with taking a picture of any flower, any insect, any animal and posting it, right? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we're, we're looking for the wild animals. So, you know, we're not asking people to take pictures of their gardens and their potted plants, although they're welcome to if they want to. Or their dog. Um, (laughs) Or their dog, yeah. So, you know, those things, we can identify them as captive or cultivated. There's a place to check that on the app. Um, And so, you know, we ask people to look for the wild things. But, yeah, knowing any, you know, any grasses, any, any insects, any trees that are blossoming in your neighborhood, it's great to document what's in the cities because as scientists, we focus on the wild areas, the parks and the, you know, the, the open spaces, but we don't go into the cities and gather that information as scientists. So it's really great to have the citizens of the city be providing that information to us. So it's, it is a, a great tool for scientists and, and land managers. 
Let's talk about the app because the app isn't just for this project. The app, I have it on my phone. You can use it year round. It can be to help document mm-hmm. things during the course of the year, or it can be just to ha- get help identifying. Maybe you get a hummingbird species that you don't recognize. There'll be a tons of people that will help you identify it. Why don't you tell people where they get the app, if there's a cost, and how they use it? Sure. So the app is iNaturalist, and it is a website as well as a phone application. So you can go into your Apple App Store or your Android um, App Store as well, and you download it. So, um, And the same for if you go to iNaturalist.org, you can create an account, and if you take photos with um, a standalone camera, you can upload them to the website and have them identified that way as well. So those are the two options for using the application. You just need to create an account, and it's completely free. Um, and so, yeah, the way it works is when you take a photo, the app automatically pulls from all of the past photos it has of plants and animals and gives you an idea of what it could be. So it'll say that tree is maybe a maple of some sort, but maybe it doesn't know the species exactly. So then anybody who is in the iNaturalist environment um, who knows more about what maples look like, for example, can go in there and tell you, oh, that's a sugar maple, you know, specifically. So it's really great tool for um, to if you are curious about what you're looking at when you're out in nature It'll give you an idea immediately what you're looking at, but then you'll have people come in and verify that for you as well. So it catalogs it not only for your own interest, but again, it's an open source application, meaning anybody can go in and look at the different projects and see what um, what animals and plants are in certain areas. And so at Colorado Parks and Wildlife, we have a state park nature finder. It's a project on iNaturalist. And it's for all of the state parks across the state. Um, Now, one thing that I'll note, too, if you find something that's um, a special species in some way, you can can obscure it or or we'll go in and obscure it. So we're not posting, uh, you know, maybe endangered species at exact locations. And so what that means is that it'll take your location and um, kind of kind of make it. a a larger area where it could be somewhere in this polygon, somewhere in this shape, but not the exact point. Um, And that one note for uh, the City Nature Challenge, you can also use that if you're taking photos in your backyard, but you don't want to post your exact home location. Well, you know, we're encouraging people to get outdoors. I know we have these stay-at-home orders in place and suggestions and they're trying to loosen them up but one of the things they have encouraged is getting out um, and you don't have to social distance from the people that live in your house with you so get out and take walks together do activities get some exercise Mm -hmm. what a great way to take family members your whole family or some of the members whatever there's there's local parks ponds and trails near everybody in Colorado and go out and have a family competition and and have each person has to find something and then see if they can identify it and then what the others think it is. And then when you get the answer back, what a great fun game that would be. Yes, for sure. And especially for those of you at home with little kids and, you know, getting stir crazy, looking for things to do. This is a great way for them to get outside, explore nature, you know, digging in the dirt, looking for different animals and insects and plants and things like that. So definitely a great family activity. All right. Tell us again where we can find the information. 
Yeah. So if you go to our website, wild.org backslash nature challenge, you'll find all of the different information for and resources for the activities that you can partake in. Um, and then inaturalist.org is the website you can go to. And if when you're an iNaturalist, you can search for our project if you would like updates. And if you search Denver Boulder City Nature Challenge 2020, it'll populate the project for you, and you'll be able to see any updates we post there as well as on the website. All right. Sounds like a lot of fun and a great way to get outdoors. We have some incredible weather coming up this next week would Mm -hmm. be a perfect time to do that. A lot of things will be blossoming, coming out for spring, different insects. Be careful. We're going to talk next segment about animal interaction. So be a little careful. We don't need a close-up of a mountain lion or a bear. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, thanks for having me and everybody have, have fun and enjoy the beautiful weekend. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us. Sounds like a lot of fun and a great way for people to enjoy the outdoors. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Have a good day. All right. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we are going to talk about animal interaction. For people staying home, not necessarily out in the wild, because there's a lot going on. All that and more. And, of course, Chad LaChance will join us at the end of the hour to talk uh, reservoir trout fishing right here in Colorado. All that on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right back to the phones. And uh, joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is uh, Troy Aznakar. And good morning, Troy. It's Tyler. Tyler, Tyler. Good morning to you as well. I called you Troy and it's Tyler. I (laughs) realized that as soon as I said it. I was worried about pronouncing your last name and I screwed up your first name. Hey, but you did greater than the last name, so we'll split the difference. All right, that's what, you know, being live radio, and I knew it was Tyler. Anyway, <laughs> my mind wanders. We're going to talk about some interesting things, and that's game interaction, but not necessarily out in the field where you run into people, uh, run into animals as you're hiking and camping and things, but what happens at your home and where you live. And a couple of things I want to just lay out there is maybe uh, a little bit to introduce the subject. Number one is, we're home a lot, so we're seeing things more right now than maybe we, when we were gone at work and gone on vacation, and, and more things are becoming visible to us. You know, and we've expanded a lot where we've developed into areas that have been naturally ha- inhabited by wild animals. So the encounters increase because of both of those, don't you think? Yeah, exactly right, Terry. Um twofold with the urbanization especially here on the front range we see a lot of it um high demand for housing people pushing into new areas um stuff that was maybe you know open space or ag before is now a new housing development a lot of the animals that were there before aren't really going anywhere they're just adapting to you know their new habitat what went from you know open pasture to now we've got a, a development nice green lawns golf courses whatever they find themselves in um, you may not see them as much um, but they're definitely still there now, like you said, with folks being home a lot more with the stay-at-home order, a um, little bit more time spent looking out the window, especially this last couple storms we had before the weather got nice. I kind of kept people inside going a little stir-crazy, but uh, lots more wildlife sightings, it seems. Um, you're not on your regular daily routine of getting out the door and going to work. You have more time. Um, and So sightings have definitely gone up, it seems, here in recent weeks. Well, one animal that I think, People don't understand how plentiful they are. And I don't want to say this in an alarming way because I don't think there's any 
huge danger. But one animal that's getting cited more is mountain lions. And mountain lions are typically very stealthy creatures. And you and I have talked in the past, and I attribute this to a couple of things. One, what we just talked, we talked about people being home. The other thing I attribute a lot of it to is I think these ring doorbells are almost like game cameras now. We're starting to see things that that we never knew went through our yards every night before. Now we have video of them. But mountain lions, actually, people probably aren't aware about the number of mountain lions there are in Colorado, are are they? No, um, we definitely have pretty healthy mountain lion populations. um, Where I work on the day-to-days in and around the Boulder area and folks, um, especially this time of year, um, over the winter months into the spring, um, as the deer push down to lower elevations on their winter range, the mountain lions follow. Now in Boulder, we've got some deer that never really leave town, and so they've always got that food source. But sightings definitely go up um, during these times, and from here through the summer, they kind of lessen again. Um, right now, we've got a couple cats in town that have been seen a little bit more often than others, um, but definitely not more so than events in the past. Uh, we've done some studies. I'll uh, do a pitch for Matt Aldridge. He conducted a study. He's a CPW researcher um, several years ago. They put a bunch of GPS collars out, um, and it was kind of shocking to see how much time these cats actually spend, you know, inside city limits. Now, it's not all day. Every day they come in, you know, early in the morning or late at night. They do their hunting, and then they're gone again by the time the sun comes up, um, but definitely more than people realize. Well, I think you're totally. And, and again, I don't want to be alarming because a mountain lion attack is very rare. doesn't mean you should encourage one to be in your area or that you shouldn't watch out for pets and and children and things like that. But they've been there. They've probably been there. And what do you think about my theory that a lot of these video doorbells are starting to act like game cams? I can tell you, I live close to the foothills, but in a developed area. And I had one week where I had a number of raccoons. I had a fox. I have squirrels all the time. Um, I had uh, I, I just rabbits, just a number of, I think there's a lot of animals that go through people's yards at night that they're just starting to, wow, look at this. Definitely. I mean, and there's a ton. And the average sighting that is reported to us isn't, you know, I was out, you know, running, jogging, you know, uh, driving around, whatever, and saw X, Y, Z animal. It's, hey, I looked at my notifications on my ring or my nest and look at this cool video and then they email it to us. Um, by and far, that's the majority of them. And so I think that attributes a lot more of um, people realizing how much wildlife is active in their area. Um, they may not get to witness it firsthand, but they're getting to see it, you know, as it crosses their, uh, you know, their front porch. Or um, I've seen a, a commercial recently where a bear is actually stealing a uh, package, you know, an Amazon Prime or something off of somebody's yeah. <laughs> porch. So it's uh, definitely changed the game a little bit as far as wildlife sightings have gone. Well, I want to move on to bears. And before we do, I think probably the biggest message with mountain lions is don't do anything to attract deer. It's illegal anyway, because if you attract deer, you're going to attract mountain lions, right? Exactly. Now, we have a very we have a very robust bear population in Colorado. I don't mean that as a negative. We have a great, healthy bear population. And they tend to get conditioned to people probably a little more than they should. Now, normally... They're a timid animal, but boy, they when they're they eat a lot and they're looking for food. What's going on with the bear population and people right now? So yeah, kind of that same concept, Terry. Is folks are um, you know pushing more to the foothills, especially we get these mountain subdivisions. Um, but even you know on the front range here, Boulder, Fort Collins, etc. You know, bears are super intelligent animals, and they think with their stomach. So any way they can figure out how to keep their bellies full, they're going to do it. 
Um, they're, they're a quick study, and once they find a food source, um, they're going to keep coming back as long as it's still available. And so that's where it's on people, and that's not whether you live out there, if you recreate um, in bear habitat, it's on folks to make sure they're doing their part to keep these animals wild and not introducing these um, human-derived food sources, whether that's you know, garbage, whether you're leaving barbecues uncleaned and not on the deck or you know in your campground. Uh, bird feeders are a huge one. Um, whether that's bird seed, whether that's hummingbird feeders, all the above, um, anything and everything they can get into, they will. Well, one of the things with bears I think that you have to be aware of is that um, when we talk about what's bear habitat, um, bears are continually sighted in urban areas because they find, they get attracted deeper and deeper. They get conditioned to find food, like you mentioned, dog food, bird feeders, and and people don't realize that it only takes one or two houses in a neighborhood, and you keep bringing these further and further in. I mean, bears can smell food, what, three to five miles away? Yeah, with right wind conditions, um, a bear can smell food up to five miles away, um, which, you know, if you think you're out camping in the middle of nowhere, you're by yourself in the wilderness, and there's not a soul around. I mean, there can be several bears, um, even if they're not within hearing range, they can definitely smell you. Um, so taking, you know, time to make sure that you're, cleaning up anything that, that could attract them. And that's not just what we would be able to smell as food. You know, things like bubble gum and toothpaste and things of that nature, um, that can serve as an attractant. It smells like something they might be able to eat. They're going to want to investigate. Um, and in, in those instances where they do find something they can eat, then we've got that learned behavior and we kind of spiral down from there. And bird feeders, it's best to put, especially the seed feeders, up in the winter when the birds need that seed. And I think you told me that a drum, a tube feeder can have like 12,000 calories. Well, they can't just get that foraging very easily. So if they find bird feeders, they'll keep coming back, won't they? Yeah, it's the same thing. If you had to go out and, you know, find all your food for, you know, lunch and dinner today, Terry, and just go out in the wild, find mushrooms and berries and grass shoots and that sort of thing, as far as calories go, you're probably going to spend a lot more um, than you're going to get back in return. As where if you can do a one-stop shop at, you know, a fast food restaurant and get a burger, you're going to do that every time. Um, And that's the same with the bear. If he can go to the same backyard and somebody keeps filling up their bird feeder and they don't see the bear and can't figure out why all the bird seed's gone, um, they're just, like I said, they're calorie-derived. They're thinking with their stomachs. um, And so a Big Mac's a lot better than a salad bar um, for us and for a bear. And I think the worst thing, Tyler, is that, when they find these food sources, bears become conditioned to associating people with food. And that's when we find tragedy for either the bear or even sometimes the people. Yeah. And it's, it's a tough situation and we get put in the middle of it. I mean, people love seeing bears. Like you say, we have a healthy bear population. That's why our people live in Colorado. We like seeing wildlife um, and bears way have been more rare to see in the past. They're healthy and doing well now. So folks are seeing them, but when they do see them and something like that happens, let's say, you know, I've got a, a bird feeder in my backyard and a bear gets into it. Well, I don't necessarily want to report that because I don't want anything to happen to the bear. I like seeing him. I want him to come back and maybe see him again. Um, so it's that fine line of, you know, you want to do what's best for the bear, um, but then keep yourself and also your neighbors and everybody around you safe. Um, a big thing we have or encourage folks to do is to report these sightings to us, even if it seems pretty minuscule, um, even so far as just I saw a bear at this place and it seemed unusual. That's good information for us to have. Now, if it's getting into feeders, if it, you know, got into some dog food or it knocked over the grill, that's stuff we want to know as well. 
so that we can try to take a more proactive stance as opposed to, well, it's been a month. He's been into my bird feeder seven times and now my neighbor's bird feeders in their garage and trash and everything else. That's a much bigger problem for us to try to tackle. Um, so the sooner we get this information, the more proactive we can be and the safer it's going to be for the bear and the folks around. All right. We're out of time, Tyler, but great information. Is there a place on the website where they can find more? Yes, sir. If you Google CPW, Colorado Parks and Wildlife will be the first one to pop up. Um, there's a drop-down menu that's called to, uh, Learning and then Things to Do, and it's Living with Wildlife. Or we also have a search bar at the top. You can just put Living with Wildlife in there, and that'll take you through bears, mountain lions, and every other critter you can come up with. All right. Thank you for joining us. Always great information, especially in the spring when everything's getting active. Um, we will keep that in mind, and hopefully people will enjoy the wildlife but do it safely. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks, Terry. All right, that was Tyler from Parks and Wildlife. We're going to take a quick time out. Chad Lachance is going to join us. We're going to talk about trout in our front range, front range reservoirs right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from the Fishful Thinker Group is Chad Lachance. Good morning, Chad. Hey, good morning, Terry. How are you this morning? I'm doing good. We still got plenty of time, but I wanted to do even more. But somehow the brakes got carried away from me. But you want to talk about front range reservoir trout. There's no trout in the front range reservoirs. What are you talking no, about? No, no, none around here. But real quick, Terry, before I dive into that, I listened to your last segment about the bears, and I've been doing a tremendous amount of hiking around Horsetooth, uh, Horsetooth Reservoir, of course, been popular destination, a place I want to talk a little bit maybe about fishing on in this segment. But I want to let people know that Besides the bears being out, the rattlesnakes are out. We saw two of them yesterday on one hike, and uh, they are out and about. They're pregnant females, so they're not necessarily in a great mood, and they will be spending time on the trails getting a tan during the warm part of the day. And I want to remind people, be careful of them. They are illegal to kill, so killing them for the sake of killing them is a bad plan. Just avoid them, and they will avoid you. They're very docile for the most part, but if you step on one, so watch where you're going. And uh, and they're out and, and about. But, yeah, now's the time to catch some trout, and they're out and about as well. Yeah, I, I did talk about the rattlesnakes earlier in the show myself, too, and the fact that good time to keep your dog on a leash so they don't nose up to one. Oh but, yeah, between the between the hungry bears and the and the and the lions out and the rattlesnakes for sure. And, and I got to say, there's been you know people major amounts of people flocking to the trailheads up there, and I've seen every law you can imagine broken repeatedly. So hopefully, folks will uh, keep their dogs safe, or they will get bit. Right now, I can pretty much promise you, a dog running around the edge of Horsetooth has got a prime chance. Yeah, let's talk about. Something more pleasant, though. Let's talk about yes, sir. We know that there is a great opportunity, all kidding aside, on the front range for trout, isn't there? Oh, yeah. And the thing is, is this is the time to catch them because, as everybody knows, trout are cool water fish or cold water fish. And so in these western reservoirs, they can get, particularly down here on the front range, they can get really hard to catch during the middle of summer because they'll go deep to looking for cold water. But right now, they're up high in the water column, and I got reports from literally from Pueblo uh, all the way north up to here. I called around a little bit, and all the reservoirs are kicking out trout right now. And the beauty of that is that they grow really fast in reservoirs. So, if, I mean, if somebody says you, you need to go find a big trout, I'm headed for the reservoirs way before I'm ever headed to a river around here as far as looking for some really big ones. And they grow really fast, and CPW does a good job of stocking lots of them during the, the, the shoulder seasons. They stock them typically in the spring and the fall. 
places like Boyd Lake will kick out big numbers of them. Uh, Chatfield will kick out a bunch of them. Horsetooth, of course, is finally getting some trout back in it uh, in, in good numbers, and a lot of those are being caught right now as well. And you can catch them from the bank. That's one of the best things. We always get requests for, for bank fishing information, and, and they're very, very easy to catch from the bank uh, during this time of year. But uh, you know, a month and a half from now, they'll be really hard to catch from the bank. So how do you approach them? What are some of the techniques you use when going after them from the bank? Well, first thing is, where do I go? And and the thing about it is this time of year, one of the best places to fish for trout can be somewhere near the boat ramps. And it's because that's where they're stocked. It's, it's kind of their home area. In the fall, they'll return there. They think they can spawn there. As far as they know, that's the river they came from. So a lot of times they'll congregate about around the boat ramps and uh, and can be a really good place to fish. And, I, and when I say around the boat ramps, in this case, I mean, you know, maybe a quarter mile from the boat ramp in a big circle all the way kind of around the ramp, you know. But um, they can be really good. I, I prefer to fish for them when there's some heavy overcast or some breeze coming in or during the crepuscular periods, the early, you know, the, the daylight and dusk uh, right at daylight they've, they've been feeding well and i've been watching them behind my house in the evenings and they're getting a pretty good feed going on out in the bay uh that you can see as well but my general answer is to go where the wind's blowing fish near the ramps and then as far as techniques go we could go through a whole list of that but the easy answer for sure going to be to put some sort of a power bait product down i mean whether you you know float it up off the bottom or suspend it under a bobber depending on how deep you are um those those are probably the easiest way to catch numbers of them and i've been watching that go on at horse tooth and guys are catching them pretty good in south bay with power bait uh for me i'm not a bait guy in general so i'm probably going to be winding a johnson minnow spin or a uh, splinter spoon which is a uh, you know a real shiny little more similar to a cast master people might be familiar with and uh and i'll be winding one of those two things along or the the you know the all-time best trout catcher for me a two and a half inch gold middle and a light jig head um and just either pop it along the bottom or pop it through the middle of the water column just keep it moving and you can get a bunch of them to eat that too well you know and a great technique i love you mentioned under a bobber um the little jars of the gulp alive that have the little different and there's a number of them they have waxies they have maggots they have one inch minnows on a tiny jig head, even an ice fishing jig under a bobber can be just phenomenal. Absolutely. Or the little worms, uh, the little pinch crawlers. I mean, literally any of those. And, and, you know, the bobber gives you the opportunity to basically dead stick the bait or not not move the bait. And there can be a lot of times when the bait is just hanging there, not moving, gets their, you know, gets their attention. I mean, you and I both work ISC shows for a year in the National Sportsman's Expo. In that demo tank, when the fish won't bite, you do one of two things. You either wind it as fast as you can, whatever it might be or you don't move it at all and make it little and they'll swim up and nibble it just out of curiosity alone. So one of those two things usually works. And if it's me, I'm probably going the bobber route before I suspend something up off the bottom, just because it still gives it a little bit of motion. The thing can still drift and things like that. I'm covering at least a little bit of water that way. Well, and the, the little gulp products I found, like the little worms you mentioned and stuff, you're not only going to catch trout, but if there's panfish, walleyes, even bass, they're liable to come and eat that. So you open up your opportunities to catch other species a little more than the taste-type baits. Yes, that's exactly, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, a little a little gulp crawler under a bobber, uh, yeah, I mean, it, every smallmouth and horse tooth will eat that thing if he swims by it. And you probably got a good shot at getting anything else that swims by to eat it. So, uh, that's a good cause. Well, they, a couple other things about these trout, um, you know, they do grow really fast and they're people 
say, oh, stock or trout don't taste that good. They don't taste that good. But once they've been in the reservoir for six months, they have a completely different, you know, diet and everything else. And, uh, and they, they turn into really good, really good fish. Actually, they're delicious. The meat gets a good color to it. They get less mushiness and they're extremely good to eat. And they stock millions of them in Colorado for a reason. So I've been contacted by several people looking for fish to eat during this whole, you know, craziness that we've been dealing with. And uh, people don't normally harvest their own fish, you know, geez, I want to eat some fish. I've been telling everyone the same thing. Go find some reservoir trout and eat them. Parks and Wildlife stocks a lot of them. They don't reproduce in the reservoirs anyway. So it's not like they're going to grow up and make babies. And uh, it's just literally a matter of of a food source that's put in there for a reason. So uh, take them home. A little lemon, a little butter goes a long ways. Chad, we are out of time. We're up against the NFL draft, but how do people find you for more information or about your shows? Yeah, Fishful Thinker across all social media. So Instagram, Facebook, um, our YouTube channel is really banging these days. I'd love people to check out. Again, it's at Fishful Thinker. And uh, we are starting to book guide trips again. They're opening us back up here to start guiding here pretty quick. So if you guys want to go on a guide trip, that's at FishfulThinker.com. All right, my friend, we will talk to you again soon. You and I have to get on the water together. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, Terry. You guys have a great day. All right. Stay safe. You bet. Chad Lachance. This, we're going to wrap things up. We're actually over time. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in the NFL draft right here on 104.3 The Fan. Yeah.